Welcome back to Documentary First, an inside look at a documentary filmmaker's journey. I'm Jason Rugg, filling in for Joshua Q. Lindsay. I think his middle initial's Q. I'm pretty sure it's Q, isn't it? Okay, cool. Hey. <laughs> and joining us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, how are you? Good. No, you're not a first-time filmmaker anymore. You're a documentary filmmaker. I still have the old version written on my, <laughs> on my sheet. Okay. You know, the thing is, I am still going through a first-time filmmaker's experiences, so I do think that it still fits. Well, good. I didn't totally mess up. <laughs> okay, so we didn't actually do a normal episode last week. No, um, we didn't. And, and I actually haven't had a chance to, I don't even know if that's out yet. Did you record anything? What, what went out last week? Yeah, so last week I was in France, France, otherwise known to the rest of the world as Reims. Um, but it was interesting. They all do call it France. And so I think the rest of the world probably should call its town by the right name. So I'm trying. Um, so I was in France <laughs> and I was with Danny. What, what? If they wanted it pronounced like that, they shouldn't have spelled it the way they did. <laughs> true, true. But how in the world do you spell France? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not, no idea. Just like know. clear throat with some syllables in it. Right. I think that's, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was with Danny and Flo and Michelle Coupe. We were staying in a lovely little Airbnb right off of the um, main strip there in Reims, and it was a wonderful, wonderful adventure. Um, I was delighted to have them on the podcast. I hope people have listened to it to get to hear Danny speak and Flo tell you know her point of view on things. And it does release today is um, well, I guess by the time that people are listening to this. Um, it will be last week. So today, as we are recording, is May 11th, and last week's podcast, while we were in France, re releases today. So as you're listening to this, um, I am currently in New York City after having just done the film festival at the Alliance Francaise in Manhattan. So just to kind of catch everybody up to speed, I left, uh, you know, I guess Chicago last Thursday flew to Rance and um, you know met with Flo, Michelle, and Danny, and we toured the town. Uh, we saw incredible architecture, a beautiful cathedral, uh, delightful little shops. If you've never been to Rance, you should put it on your bucket list. And then we attended the film festival for the Red Movie Awards. This is a young film festival. It was started by some young French filmmakers who were utterly delightful, super creative. They wanted to make this very special for all the filmmakers. So they rented out a lovely um, venue called the Salomon Theater. I think that's how you pronounce it. And they basically from the early morning, they screened a bunch of films. The first film was Climb by Neil Myers, a fantastic documentary, super emotional about uh, a high sport, you know, highly trained uh, triathlete, he, but he is the cyclist in the triathlon. Uh, and he ended up having a terrible accident. And um, the film is about his climb ba back up to recovery. So it's oh, wow. just a, a phenomenal film. I uh, highly recommend everybody watch it. They were nominated for Best Doc as well as Best Editing and Best Score, just like us. Uh, so some stiff competition there. They stayed to watch our film. They felt the same way. It was just, uh, it was nice to have 
us both in the festival together. He is also a first-time filmmaker. So we had a, a lot of things like that in common. He's older, like 61. He's even older than I am. So so that was cool. We watched those films. And then um, Denis Vandenbrink and Helen Patton joined us as well for the festival. So we then went out to lunch to a beautiful restaurant there and then got all dolled up for the awards that were that night. And it was again in this beautiful venue. It was everybody was drenched in champagne, which, you know, <laughs> if you don't know, Reims is the capital of champagne. And so it was flowing freely that night. Uh, and then from there, we just waited uh, to see if how we did. We did not win best editing. Climb won best editing. And we did not win best score. I don't know who won that one, but we did win best documentary. So that was awesome. Wow. Congrats. I, I had to act a little bit surprised, but I already knew because you tweeted about it. So, you know, <laughs> just a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jason, for, for the softball. Um, you know, it was such a special experience because these were young French people and they were so touched by the story. Uh, and then, you know, to, to give it honor um, was really meaningful because I really made it as a love letter to the French people to thank them for everything that they've taught me. Uh, but I had been told that a lot of younger French people didn't really know the story of Normandy much more than the Americans did. And so I was very thankful that they responded to it like they did. Uh, the biggest joy that I had was giving that experience to Danny and Flo, to Michelle Coupe, to Denis Vandenbrink and Helen Patton, who had not been with me at a film festival before and hadn't experienced a victory like that. Uh, Danny carried around my trophy like a baby <laughs> for the rest <laughs> of the evening. In fact, I almost didn't get it, didn't get it home. So uh, I think I'm going to have to buy her her own trophy with her own name on it. <laughs> uh, so it was very should. special. They were uh, completely touched and I loved giving them that experience. Well, awesome. Yeah, and I was I was super proud of the festival people because it was the first in-person festival that they had done and they really went all out they got bags with um you know there was not really much in there other than like a button and a map uh but they had little red film award bags and they uh you know the screening was free which i thought was a great idea and then they charged for the event the night before they made it super special because they had everybody dress up and uh you know like fancy clothes and uh, they had people there to take pictures. They did spend a good bit of money on the actual awards. They look like little red Oscar men holding a movie camera. So that was cool. Uh, and they just, they made it a very special night for everybody. And for a young film festival, I was very impressed with that, particularly in French. They had, they got no support from the government or from, you know, people donating money or, so I think they did it all with their own money that they pulled together, as well as people that, you know, paid entrance fees for the festival. So, so it was a great experience. And then Denis Vandenbrink happens to be a press uh, agent for several sailors that sail around the world. And so he asked me afterwards if he could write a press release and send it out to all of his press contacts, which he did. Oh, wow. It was picked up by uh, a few French newspapers. So that was exciting. Uh, more people got to hear about it. And uh, yeah, so, so that's just been really great. A lot more people have been hearing about the film, particularly in France, and that made me super happy. 
that's incredible um so i i you talking about the the film festival i think one thing we haven't really talked about is that like with a film festival it can be like 12 people or it can be like 1500 depending on you know the film festival so where where did this one fall like how many people would you say that you saw at this film festival well so this festival was very small so they have been uh doing uh i think online stuff up to this point and they're really trying to grow it in this uh, area of France. Reims is a very artistic community. And you could tell that people were supporting it. They got the mayor there and gave the mayor an award because oh, wow. he's really been behind the festival. Uh, and that's why they made it free was because people had never heard of this film festival before. And so they just opened it to the public. Now, I was only there from when it opened at 9am until our Q&A was done at 1230. And I would say there were probably 45 people, 50 people that were there for the actual screening. Um, There were a lot more films after mine. And then for the um, awards ceremony, I would say there was at least 150 people there. So this was a very small one um, in terms of size, Uh, but it doesn't really matter if people are engaged and, um, you know, very active. The Q&A was one of the best I've had. They asked great questions. Um, It was so, so I have found the smaller film festivals are super rewarding. The networking is better. Um, you know, the interaction with the festival directors are better. Uh, I learned there that uh, they are all filmmakers and it's possible they may be able to help us on our shoot with the Carenton project, you know, so it was like, I was talking to my people and I was like, Hey, do you guys know any rental houses here? Uh, Do you, you know, we're looking for a sound guy. Do you know anybody that does sound mixing on location? And uh, so that was kind of cool to be networking like that. Uh, in a different country so yeah Yeah, that's awesome I uh, really cannot um, like I I cannot under or I guess um, I don't know I don't even know what I'm trying to say networking at film festivals is awesome I've only been to a couple and um, one was like you know my school when I was in college hosted a film festival and it was like you know just some people from the community who just love films came out and watched what students you know undergrads had made Um, and then uh, the Geneva Film Festival uh, right here in uh, Geneva, Illinois, which it sounds a lot cooler because you're like, oh, the Geneva Film Festival, it's in Geneva. No, no, it's like, <laughs> it's like this little place downtown. Have you ever been to the Geneva Film Festival? No, version? no. Okay, so I'm not even sure if they're still doing it, but it was this uh, tiny little festival that, you know, just some people who loved uh, film in the Geneva community started. And like, I got to meet, you know, a director who'd made, you know, a million dollar indie film, you know, that sort of thing. And this was pre pandemic, you know, I was, I was either right out of college and it's like, you just get to know people who are like, you know, yeah, I grew up here and now I live in LA, but you know, I'm doing this. And it's, you know, if you can find like the little film festivals where the filmmakers are going, you can just, you know, there were maybe 50 people total at the Geneva film festival. And so you can just meet if you're not actually a a director yet, you just want to get to know people. You want to start working uh, go to film festivals and meet the indie people in your Absolutely. area. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. uh, Sundance is great to go to, to see celebrities or to, you know, see films that are coming out, but, and you do have networking there. You do, but it's yeah. a lot more hit or miss. Uh, and so that's why I really have enjoyed these smaller festivals. 
And one thing about those bigger ones is that people are more on guard against, yeah. oh, you're just trying to get to me to get to my network. Yeah. Like that's, that's something that people are, are more aware of. Like there's a great conference. If you're, if you want to get into entertainment on the business side, like, you know, authoring documents, that sort of thing, there's this great conference. You have to be in, uh, in college to, to attend it. It's called Future Now. Um, I'm actually really good friends with the, the founder and help her with everything she's doing out there um, whenever I can. Um, and it's just like, you get to meet people at these smaller conferences who are like, I'm here to help people. I'm here to get to know people. I'm here to, you know, that that's what networking really is, is like getting to know the people on your level and maybe a little bit above, but you know, you can't just go like, oh, it's uh, Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> you, know? you have to find the people who are like on your level or, or right there. And um, yeah, so that's, that's really cool. It, it's, it's, I love hearing that that happens even on the other side of the world. Yeah, you it know, does. It, it, <laughs> and you culture. know, one thing that I have learned in all of my years of networking is when I first started out, there were a lot of actors that I was networking with and really their mindset was only, I want a job. I want a job. I want to meet a producer. I want to meet a director. I want to give them my resume. I want to give them my headshot. And I watched this and I also was able to see, I knew directors, I knew producers. And so I was able to see their reactions on the other side and they were always so uncomfortable with actors doing that because they would just go home and throw their resume or throw their headshots in the trash because they didn't have a project that they were even working on at the moment and you know they the actors come across are as very needy and desperate i've also seen that with other you know production people that are trying to network with other production companies so you know, one thing that I've learned is that networking should really be about caring about the other person genuinely and being interested in what they are doing genuinely and trying to build a relationship on mutual interest or mutual help and not just what those people can do for you. Yeah, I um. So Sean, my writing partner, uh, he and I very early on um, before we were even really writing partners, we discussed, you know, what do you do when you get to get the chance to approach somebody? And it was like, I wouldn't approach somebody higher than me unless I have something to offer them. Not just, Hey, can you give me a job? It's, it's not a, you know, it's, can I give you something? And so like one of the most fruitful relationships that I've had since 2017, uh, that I, is a project that I still can't even really talk about. Um, but it's because we went to a producer and said, Hey, we know how to do this thing. Do you have any way to use this? And he goes, yeah, we have a project we could, we could um, like resurrect and, and try with that. And so it's like, I've been working on this project for like five years <laughs> for free and just helping them move this thing along because I know that I want to help somebody make something. It's, it's, you can't just approach it from, what can you give me? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it has to be, what can I give you? Super, super, super important. That's a great tip, Jason. Very industrious of you. <laughs> that's also how I approach uh, internships. Yeah. Like if you're going to intern with somebody, don't just be, you know, I'm here to learn from you. It's I'm here to learn from you, but also do anything that you need me to do. That is what, yeah. like, I want to learn and be of value to you so that maybe they'll hire you. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's absolutely the right way to look about things, particularly when you're starting out. Awesome. Well, well, this became a little sidetrack into networking <laughs> and how to do it well. Um, that wasn't really on, on the plan, but um, we do actually have 
an interesting uh, update on someone in your network, right? You yeah. you just re you've been networking with uh, a new um, distributor. distributor. Yeah. These were people who you met and you didn't ask anything from right away, right? You yeah. I mean, just... When I met them, they asked for the movie. You know, they're like, hey, can we, we've seen your movie. Can we distribute yeah. it? And it you was something taken to at give the time. Them. And so I said, well, how about this other thing I'm doing? So that's kind of how that started. Uh, and we've had Joe Amaday on the film. He's from Virgil Films. He's just an incredible guy. I'm so thankful for him. He, we've shared about this uh, two weeks ago. He uh, has sent us an offer for distribution. I only started reviewing it on the way home from Ross and I've only gotten halfway through the contract, but so far, um, you know, it, it is a little bit more top shelf than uh, the previous contract that we had. So I will, um, you know, I definitely need to look at it and, but we're going to sign it. Uh, you know, we're going to sign it. They're just such awesome people to work with. And uh, we will need to probably make a little, you know, a few tweaks that we're going to talk about. But uh, we have already signed a contract and paid him to be a sales agent to take our film to the Cannes film market. It's not going to screen there, but they are going to present it to European distributors, European buyers. So that's going to, he leaves on May 17th for the Cannes film market. And he will be there, I guess, probably for a week or so. So we're really hoping for good things where that's concerned. And then, um, and then, yeah, hopefully uh, by the time he gets back, we'll be able to uh, to sign this agreement and and move forward with you know distribution. Well, awesome. Um, so, how long, in comparison to the other distribution contract which I've seen and is incredibly long, is this similar? Is it longer? Is it shorter? It, you know, there's a lot of things that are similar. There's are a lot of things that are similar, except. This is much more well-written, much more concise, uh, sim more simple to understand, but it does still have the main contract and then like the schedule of all the explanations of terms, all of those things stayed the same. Uh, so, uh, you know, and there are a few things that are different. Um, one thing I'm going to ask him about is there was a confidentiality clause in there. So basically I can't talk about uh, the distribution deal. And I'm going to ask him maybe if he would be willing to waive that just so that we can talk about that, or, or at least ask him why that is in there. Um, you know, why do distributors put that confidentiality clause in there? So is that, does it specify that you can't talk about the agreement as a whole or specific pieces, like specific terms in, in the agreement? What's, yeah, what's the language terms in the agreement? That's why I'm okay. being so vague. Okay. Um, you know, just because I haven't even signed the contract yet, but I want to honor what he's asking until at least I ask him to waive it. So um, <laughs> I yeah. just want to make sure we weren't violating it by talking yeah. about it right no, now. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm being that purposely vague. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll just kind of see in the meantime, um, Mindy Cook, who's been on the show before, sent me a podcast to listen to about some movers and shakers in the industry talking about the changing face of distribution. And she said, you know what, I just want to tell you, Christian, I've listened to this and everything that they're saying on here is exactly the experience that you've been having. It's an industry-wide thing that they're saying, and they are making some propositions for some new ways to go about things. So I'm going to listen to that. Uh, it'll be interesting to report on that um, 
you know, when I, when I get through it. And there's another conference that I just saw online that came out about the same thing and what exactly is happening right now. So this is a huge hot topic of conversation about, you know, distribution for independent films and how it's never, ever, ever been this hard for an independent filmmaker to get their film distributed. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to listening to those. Can you send me that podcast? Yes, I'll be good. (laughs) I'll send you that podcast. And you know what? Maybe we'll link that. We'll link that in our show notes so that other people can can watch that as well or listen to it. Uh, She did say, you don't need to watch it. You can put it on the background, do some chores. Uh, She realized halfway through, I don't need to sit here and watch this. (laughs) We'll link that in the show notes. Um, And then in the meantime... You know, we've been trying to get the word out about uh, the film being on our website for streaming and for DVD buying, and we have made some sales. So I think we've made $87 in sales on Gumroad from rentals or purchases. So uh, it's nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, Gumroad takes 9% and then they send us the rest at the end of the week, I guess. And then um, we have sold a few DVDs as well. So uh, that feels good that at least it's kind of going back into our pockets and um, we'll just, we'll have to see. I'm, I don't think that Joe will be able to distribute our film until like August or September. So we'll probably keep it here for a few more months and, um, you know, we'll go from there. And the Gumroad is just, uh, it's currently a rental, right? Like you don't own it. You can that. buy it, but oh, okay. you do have to have a Gumroad subscription. So it's kind of like Netflix in that. Or, or not, not Netflix, like Amazon. So, you know. oh, okay. So, like you have a Gumroad account and then you buy it and it's yeah. in your Gumroad account. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. That's how that works. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, did you want to talk about? Um, I think you said you're, you're going to something with Airbus. Yeah. Let me talk about that a little bit. I am um, running around with the chicken with my head cut off today because at 5 a.m. I leave in the morning to go to Washington, D.C. to do an event tomorrow afternoon, which will be May 12th with Airbus. Um, Michelin and Delta are also participating. It's going to be at the Air and Space Museum out in Chantilly, Virginia at the Udvarhazi location. Uh, It is predominantly a private screening for all of these um, companies and their employees. Uh, so, uh, but it'll be good networking. I'll be interested to see what comes from that. Hopefully it opens other doors um, for other companies to want to show the film, um, you know, places. So, uh, and then I'm going to spend the weekend with David Chapman and his family uh, in Washington, D.C., trying to prepare for the next event, which is Monday, um, May 16th, or is that Tuesday? I don't have my calendar in front of me, but I think it's Tuesday. Which Tuesday. From- remind people who David Chapman is? Yeah, David Chapman is in our movie. He's one of our cast members. Uh, he was uh, Colonel David Chapman, who was the senior military attache at the U.S. Embassy in Paris. And he was, he's been a huge part of our film community. And when he got out of the military and out of the embassy's office, he joined Michelin as he's in charge of all of the military sales uh, for Michelin. So uh, and he's just been a champion of the film. He kind of goes around and is in the Q and A's with me. And so that's been pretty, pretty great. Uh, I was telling somebody today, they're going to ask us at ever all these events. They always do how David Chapman and I met. Uh, so I'm going to tell that story real quick since we're talking about David Chapman. Um, in 2017, my son, Josh was asked to homecoming, sophomore homecoming by a girl named Alex. And 
their parents invited us over beforehand to take pictures. And I had just returned back from a um, pre-production trip in France on the Girl of War Freedom. And I was explaining to the parents that I had just gotten back and, you know, was telling them that I was looking at making a movie over there. And the dad says, huh, you know, maybe my best friend uh, might be helpful to you. Uh, and I was like, really? Why? He's like, well, he's the senior military attache at the U.S. Embassy in Paris. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he probably would be very helpful. <laughs> no, we already have one of those. <laughs> and, you know, as it turns out, his office was the exact office that was in charge of the D-Day ceremonies in Normandy. Wow. <laughs> So I sent him the trailer and he tells the story that after he saw it, he was just all in. He said people asked him to support stuff all the time and the answer is usually always no. But um, when he saw that trailer, it was a different story. And, and that's been the case. He greased the skids for us in Normandy in so many different ways with the military. He then, um, you know, jumped on D-Day and we were able to film him and you know, he interviewed one of our veterans, so he's in the film, but we've also interviewed him in his official capacity uh, as this uh, military official. And yeah, so he's just been a champion. He's been right there with me all along. In his job interview, Jason, he told the people, you know, you're a French American company. You really should watch this film. This is before he even had a job there. And then he finally <laughs> got hired and the um, woman came back to him that interviewed him and said, you know, I was really interested in that film that you were talking about in your interview can we watch it maybe it would be something we'd want to share at michelin and of course that's exactly what happened uh and they ended up bringing us to michelin to do a special screening for their veterans group and then we did a whole screening on march 13th 2020 the day before the world shut down that was our last screening before the pandemic and all of that was because my son went to homecoming with alex <laughs> isn't that a great story that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. That just, it it's just all the, tied together. <laughs> it's the story of this film. I mean, I, I just can't say enough. I think the power of prayer has taken us further than just about, about anything else. So, so David Chapman will be there. I'll be staying with he and his family over the weekend. And then Monday we fly to New York city and I meet Virginia Durr and a whole bunch of the Delta people and Danny and Flo. Air France is flying them over uh, to New York. So by the time that you are listening to this, Danny and Flo are already in New York and they have asked me to take them to uh, Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island and Central Park. So as you're listening to this next Wednesday, uh, that's probably what we're doing. But, uh, but before that, on Monday, we have this big screening at the French Institute, and it'll be all sorts of people from Michelin to Delta to Best Defense Foundation to French, you know, American Francophones. And uh, we hope to touch a lot of lives there. And as soon as all of that New York business is over with, we come back to Chicago for a week to regroup before we head to Georgia. And we're going to be screening at the National Infantry Museum at Fort Benning on May 25th. Super excited about that. And to take Danny and Flo to a real army base in the United States. And then we are going to be doing a veteran dinner with 30 World War II veterans on the 31st, uh, who on the 1st, we are then taking them over to Normandy. And that will start that whole extravaganza. So that's what's coming up. Well, awesome. 
Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on, or do we just go straight to DocuView, Deja View, whatever it's called now? <laughs> <laughs> the docs we watched. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the only other thing I'd say is we are thick in the production of um, you know this Carenton project, and we're shooting four days in France, and uh, you know it has be- gotten very complicated as we're trying to make sure that we get all of these people over to France, that we get them all housed, that we have the right equipment, that we you know whether we rent it or we take it. Uh, it just is not easy to do a two-continent uh, documentary film. And this I know now, <laughs> firsthand and secondhand. So uh, that's where our company has been focused on. Hopefully, we will kind of get it all together. We've run into a few snags here or there. Uh, but I have confidence it's all going to work out. And we'll have some more exciting stuff to report when we get back. Well, awesome. All right. Do you want to transition into Docs We yes. Watched? So... Which, do we have a theme song for that? Do we have, do we have to leave a spot for? <laughs> no, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to come up with a new theme song for Docs We Watched. Uh, no, this is our new segment, DocuView Deja Vu. DocuView Deja Vu. Docs All right. Watched. You know, now now that I can say it right, I don't know why we have to change it, but anyway. All right, what? Go first. <laughs> okay, so um, this is a. It was an early pandemic gem uh, that this this came out. Uh, it was uh, an HBO Max documentary called Class Action Park. Have you seen this? Christian? No, never even heard of it. Okay. So um, in the 1980s, there was a place called Action Park in New Jersey, and it literally killed people. It was a theme park where, oh, yeah, like, you know, you go down a water slide and uh, you, you know, it loops around and, and everything. And that's cool. Uh, oh, I came out with a bunch of teeth in my arm. <laughs> from the people who previously had hit the wall wrong and left teeth embedded in the wall like it is insane the stuff it, it, as it goes on this thing gets more and more and more insane at first it's like okay yeah this is a little bit crazy i can't believe they're doing that they're they're, they're not really trusting people's safety you know that sort of thing and it just keeps getting worse and worse and like oh yeah you know the log flume ride that people go through this tunnel and like half the time they come out unconscious and we're not sure if that's because they hit the wall too hard or if it just you know the speed's too high or <laughs> it's just like <laughs> and it's all real and it's it's funny and interesting until you get to the, the the sad parts where people actually lost family members to this place, you know, like legitimately people died uh, because of just their, their flagrant uh, view on safety. Um, it's a really fun documentary besides those sad parts um, it, because of just how insane it is. Uh, <laughs> you will not believe the stuff that they got away with. There was a freeway in the middle and definitely there was something about people stealing go-karts, getting them out onto the freeway and the police showing up. It's, it's, I can't even remember all the craziness that happens in it, uh, but totally worth a watch. Where can uh, people watch this? It's on HBO Max. Okay. Wow. Can't wait for that one. That sounds fun. <laughs> okay. So I watched one uh, coming home on the plane, actually, uh, that I thought was fascinating and disturbing. And it's called um, Before the Flood. It actually came out in 2016, so it isn't new news, which is interesting. Um, And this is a film, it's a documentary film by Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a look at how climate change affects our environment. And it talks a lot about what society can do to prevent the demise of of so many different things, species, ecosystems, 
native communities across the planet. Um, and, and there was a section where they showed clips of um, a lot of people on Fox News or other um, government officials sort of making fun of Leonardo DiCaprio sort of stepping into being a spokesperson for these issues and what did he know? What could he bring to the table? He, what kind of expert was this actor? But, you know, he spent so much time going around, flying to different places, actually talking to people about the changes that they've seen, uh, that I have so much respect for his commitment to this. It's interesting how he started it out. I really liked the shape of the movie. He said that he used to go to bed at night and the picture above his crib was this beautiful artistic work. And it started off this beautiful garden of Eden and it transitioned to this middle place that wasn't so great. And then there were all these pictures of this dystopian garden of Eden. So it was really you know, a vivid picture of what would happen if the people that inherited the garden of Eden didn't care for it. And you could just see that he was watching this happen as he went around and interviewed all of these things. And he has such a passion for making sure that we care for, for the earth. And so it, it was very convicting to me, quite honestly, about um, changes that we all can make. Um, so I'm sure that a lot of people would think there was a political agenda there. Um, as a Christian, I can't figure out why it's bad for us to care for the environment and try to limit our footprint. Um, our, so I don't know, but it was, it was a very That's well done right. film about like we we're made to care for the earth <laughs> like that's Our part of what we're supposed to do yeah <laughs> but nah yeah <laughs> you know and maybe i'm sure that natural changes occur over time they did before we got here and they always will but i do still think we have a responsibility to live responsibly and i look at us you know the deforestation and the way that we are um, buying up all of our farmland and we're turning it into suburbs because people don't want to farm anymore and we can make more money putting, you know, developments on this farmland, but all of our oxygen is being, you know, chopped down with every tree. So, you know, it was a very big overview perspective of what's happening on a big global scale. And he didn't, just talk to Americans. He went around and talked to a lot of different people about their perspectives on global warming. Uh, so I, I found it fascinating, really. And I really feel like it's, it's even more urgent now to listen to what he was saying um, than it was in 2016. So there you go. Well, cool. It is weird to think that 2016 is six years ago. That's <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, this, this didn't come out that long ago. It's like, yeah. oh wow. <laughs> it's because we've missed two years of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The pandemic doesn't feel like time. <laughs> it's all Great. confusing. Well, all right. Uh, do we have anything else we need to touch on before we wrap up? No, I just want to say thank you to our Patreon subscribers. You guys are our backbone and we really appreciate you. If you haven't been a Patreon subscriber, please join us. Um, we can use every bit of help we can get. And we are starting to put up some, some really you know, unique content that I think you will enjoy. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, you guys can rent the movie or buy the movie on our website, thegirlywarfreedom.com through Gumroad. Um, or buy a DVD and send it to your grandparents uh, if they still have a DVD player. So that's it for now. <laughs> All 
right. And be sure to rate the show everywhere that you listen to podcasts. That would be really helpful. Well, all right. Uh, Thank you for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you for listening, donating, and following along on our journey. We are supported by generous donations from people just like you. To make a donation, visit thegirlwhowarefreedom.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash documentaryfirst. To learn more about our other works in progress, visit documentaryfirst.com or follow Documentary First on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This podcast was produced by Documentary First, edited and mixed by Jason Hoven, with music by Jeff Kurtenacker.